The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracecitysd.com. Keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods, which have not benefited those devoted to them. So let's pray. Father, we are, uh, Lord, may, this, uh, may your words uh, cling to our hearts. Uh, may they open up our spirit, Lord. Uh, may the message be out of your mouth, out of the Holy Spirit. May everything that has been taught and spoken for today uh, make us uncomfortable. Make the gospel uncomfortable for us so we can wrestle uh, with ourselves. May we be dependent on your spirit. May we be dependent on your grace, Lord, because we know we can't do it without you. Lord, we pray this in your name. Amen. Thanks, Ryan. Hey, good morning. How is everyone? Good? All right. Well, um, my name is Randall. If this is the first time you're here, welcome to Grace City. And uh, this morning, we're going to be talking about something that's extremely important for us to really capture the vision of what we say we are. For us, we say we're a church for our city that seeks new life in Jesus. And what that means is that we're not a church here for ourselves, but we're a church for others. Today we're gonna be jumping into this series called A Generous Life, How Grace Changes Everything. And what it's going to take to have a generous life is not gonna be on my strength or my ability, but what we see is that it's, it's God's abundance. It's God's grace that changes us from people that really, if we were to be honest, would be more inward to outward-focused people, to people that are, are generous with what we have. You see, my prayer from the beginning of Grace City has been that we are a generous, open-handed church that loves people with no strings attached. You see, for us, we wanna love people in Jesus' name. And when we talk about Jesus, Jesus, we find, is extremely generous. So generous that he gave his life. And so we wanna be a generous church in word and deed. So how does that happen? It's when we embrace this idea of a generous life. So our text today is Hebrews 13, five through nine, and the message is entitled Simplicity. Now, we just celebrated our two-year anniversary about a month ago, and one of the prayers that I prayed as we were sitting on the front, I was sitting with my wife, was this. For me and my family, God, help us to live a simple, quiet life that honors you. What we see in our society today is 
the opposite of that. It's extravagant. It's self-focused. It's Instagram-worthy. But my prayer for our family this year has been this. Lord, help us to be more generous than we've ever been. Help us to be more generous with our life and what we do and what we give and everything. See, what I found is as we've made this journey, it's a work of grace. It's a work that God does in our hearts and our lives from the inside out that makes us generous people. See, it's when when the gospel, when the good news of Jesus clicks into our minds, clicks into our hearts, it makes us new, different. See, for me growing up, I am the firstborn of three boys. And as the firstborn, I would have to say that I am naturally selfish. I'm naturally selfish. So I remember growing up, you know, when my parents would order pizza and it was our favorite pizza and it was running low. And I'm looking over and I'm saying there's one more piece left. And so I am running over to get that last piece of pizza before my other two brothers. I'm fighting to be first in line. Because here's the thing, as firstborn, I felt like I deserved to be first. I deserved it. And I must confess that selfishness still rattles around in my heart today. It's still there. It's still something that is a battle. But as a Christian, I now know that God has created me for so much more than a self-absorbed life. If it wasn't for God, if it wasn't for the grace of God, I know that I would be a very selfish person. And I wouldn't have prayed the prayer that I did for our family. See, biblically, how has God designed you and me to live? Generously. Acts 20, verse 35, the apostle Paul said this, in all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Stephen Corbett said in his book, When Helping Hurts, what is the task of the church? We are to embody Jesus Christ by doing what he did and what he continues to do through us. Declare, using both words and deeds, that Jesus is the King of kings and Lord of lords who is bringing in a kingdom of righteousness, justice, and peace. And the church needs to do this or do And the church needs to do this where Jesus did it. Among the blind, the lame, the sick, and outcast, and the poor. See, historically, as you look through history, hospitals, schools, global relief organizations were started because of the teachings of Jesus. And it's not only the Bible that teaches us that we were made to be generous. But research is starting to show that that's what we were made for as well. 
in a 2015 article in the Wall Street Journal entitled, Does Charitable Giving Lead to a Better Life? Lisa Ward says, it is, really better to give, is it really better to give than receive? A new study adds to a growing body of research that suggests it is, at least when it comes to your health. The research recently published in the Journal of Economic Psychology found that donating to charity may actually improve a giver's physical and emotional well-being. And so, why don't we give? I believe for many of us, much of the struggle is not whether deep down we, we want to or we know that it's the right thing to do. I believe one of the reasons is this struggle to live simply. To live simply. See, we live in a culture of consumerism, not simplicity. And it is very easy to get sucked into the flow of our society. You see, currently, America is in more credit card debt than it's ever been over $1 trillion. And so what's the answer? Well, a popular response to the rise of consumerism has been a swing toward a movement called minimalism. And minimalism is this lifestyle that rejects consumer culture, which can be good. But many are beginning to make minimalism the all-consuming answer. And what they're finding is it's not working. There's an article in the New York Times Magazine called The Oppressive Gospel of Minimalism. And a guy named Kyle Chaka says, there's an arrogance to today's minimalism that presumes it provides an answer rather than as originally intended, a question, what other perspectives are possible when you look at the world in a different way? See, people will try to provide answers. But what we discover is that ultimately man-made solutions and answers, they don't work. Because ultimately, it's a heart issue. They're two one-dimensional, pat answers. What we find is that we need a more holistic, more nuanced, more multidimensional answer to help us in a rampant consumeristic culture. And so what does today's text point us to? Points us to faith, to God. See, if you look at the background of, of Hebrews, two chapters earlier in Hebrews chapter 11, the writer of Hebrews goes through a list of people who live their lives by faith. It's been called by some scholars the hall of faith. These are people who entrusted their lives to God. You see, faith is built more upon what God can do than what I can do. And the way that we view money has a lot to do with how much we trust God. In the Gospels, Jesus spoke a lot about money. 16 of the 38 parables he spoke about were about how to handle money and possessions. Throughout the Gospels, an amazing one out of 10 verses, 288 in all, deal directly with the subject of money. The Bible offers more than 2,000 verses on money and possessions. Why? Because Jesus knows that money has the power to control us. 
things, possessions have the power to control us. And if we don't watch out, many of us will put our faith in our stuff rather than in God. This will keep us captive. And so Jesus desires for us to be free. And so that's why he addresses the issue. You see, when Jesus looked at the rich young ruler in the book of Mark, he's looking at this guy who has all his wealth. And this is really the only time Jesus says, get rid of all your stuff. He looks at him and says he loved him. He loved him. Why did Jesus address the very thing that he had, that he felt like he had his life all together because he knew that it would kill him? It would kill him. See, what, what, what our stuff can do is control us to the point where we become monsters. Jesus loves us so much that he'll address the very thing that's killing us. And so how do we live biblically with a simple, generous life that God calls us to? Again, our text today is Hebrews 13, five through nine. And, and here the writer of Hebrews focuses on three areas when it comes to money. It's a focus on number one, true security. Number two, real examples. And number three, renewing strength. True security, real examples, renewing strength. And so the first one is this, true security. Look at verses five and six. So the writer of Hebrews says this. He says, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Verse five starts with this. It says, keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. It doesn't say keep your life free from money. It says keep your life free from love of money. The thing I want us to get today is this, that money is not bad. It's not bad, but it's our hearts. And so we have the capacity to love money. See, this text gets straight to the heart of the issue. It's meant to uncover our security in life. The writer of this text goes straight to the heart. He says, keep your life free from the love of money. And many of us look at this and think this. I know so many people this applies to. Goodness, there's so many self-absorbed people. They don't need that thing or whatever. Like, oh, if they could get this, maybe I should tell them about this message. You know, like it just gets to this point where like, man, I know so many people this applies to. And we think, I, I'm not one of those people. I don't love money. See, that's the sign of how much money controls us. Things control us. When we think there's no way that that could be me. Many of us don't think of ourselves as wealthy. But get this, studies say that if you make $25,000 a year, 
You are richer than 98% of the world. 98% of the world. Like, just think about that for a minute. That's crazy. That most of us are in the top 2% in the world. See, how do you know if you love money? There's a few ways. You love to spend it on yourself. You're always worried about it, so you can never spend it. Or you never feel like you have enough of it. Got real quiet. I think all of us can identify with one of those, right? For me growing up in a household of three, when I would get that $100 for Christmas from my grandmother, I would be dreaming about what I could get with that money. Hmm, how many, how many, how many basketball cards could I get with that $100? That was me. It could still be me. For my middle brother, he was more on the other end of, is that it? <laughs> I gotta go take this $100. I'm gonna go make some money with that. I'm gonna use this and invest this to get some more money because I need some more cash. That was him. He's still like that today. <laughs> and then my youngest brother is holding tightly onto that cash. Okay, I'm gonna give this over to mom. She's gonna go put this in the bank. I'm gonna make sure it's in a safe place. I'm not gonna touch it. I remember looking at my little brother, Rob, and just saying, how do you do that? How do you do that? But you know what? He had a lot of money. <laughs> Rob. Oh, man. You see, the love of money is powerful. It's so powerful, it blinds us. See, what's the only power that, that can overwhelm this love of money in our lives? It's the love of God. See, look at verse five. What did he say? He says this. He, he goes straight from like, keep your life free from the love of money, but he doesn't just leave it there. Because then we're, we're struggling. We're like, okay, how do I do this? But then he gives us the answer. He says right here, verse five, for he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. In your struggle, whatever it is, could you believe that God would love you right where you're at? And he says, never will I leave you nor forsake you. See, th this promise, it's twofold. See, here's what happens. You put your hope in money and things, they will leave you and forsake you. Cars, they will break down. Clothes, they will go out of trend or wear out. Technology, you will be throwing it out the window at some point, right? I'm done with this stupid phone. Doesn't work anymore. See, at some point they will forsake us. They will leave us. But what will never leave or forsake you? 
God, his kingdom, eternity. You say, but yeah, there's, that's great and all, but there's no way that I could be that generous. It's just too hard. If that's you, the love of money has a grip to the point that it's become greater than the love of God. Do you see why Jesus spoke about money so much? And I'll be honest, it's the reason why I avoid talking about money. It's because it's hard. And really, this is like the first time I've talked about it in two years at Grace City. Because I don't want people to come here and think that they're all about money. That's the thing people think, the church. But here's the reality. As, as your pastor, that's how deadly it is. It's, it, we, we have to address it. It's that deadly. And so I wouldn't be a good pastor if I didn't address this because Jesus spoke about it more than we want to see. Right? If I preached about it as much as Jesus, you guys would be like, I'm not coming back. I'm not coming back. But it's a reality. See, the, the scripture challenges our true place of security. Will it be money and possessions or will it be God? Verse six ends with this. It says, so we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? What is that a declaration of? It's that God can overcome any obstacle. Do you know in the book of Haggai, he says that all the silver and gold is mine. It's mine. So, so we are so worried, anxious because we love money. And Jesus is saying, I want to free you from that. Would you find your security in God? See, so it's our true security. Will it be in our possessions, in our stuff, or will it be in God? The second point is real examples. This is verse seven. It says, uh, remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. So verse seven starts with, remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Who are these leaders he's talking about? He's talking about preachers, pastors. Why? Because here's the thing. The way God designed the church is that leaders are dependent on the giving of the people to survive. That's the truth. And so a church doesn't operate if we don't give and aren't generous. And God designed it intentionally like that for a reason. Because you look at the Old Testament, you look at the Levites. How did they eat from the sacrifices of the people? Why? Because when you look at me and you look at leaders in churches, you just say the only way that they're able to survive is because of faith. That's it. It's all faith. It's all belief. It's, it's all trusting that God is able to provide. See, I can tell you story after story after story 
of how God has provided for me and my family. And I know Billy can do the same thing. I mean, truly, like, unexpected, no way that's possible, God just provides. I remember when we first came out here to San Diego, I was asked to to raise support so that we could be here. I was so scared. I remember I came back home, I, I realized that just how big of a task it was to raise support and live off of support. And I was just like curled up in a ball. That's how scared I was. And then I remember that day, Laura got a note in the mail. And she's like, I don't recognize this name. She opened it up. She says, the first line was, you don't know me. But I heard about what you're doing. And Laura had taught her granddaughter years before And she sent a check in the mail to us. And it was like when I was so afraid that there's no way that God could provide, I don't know how it's gonna work out. He says, no, I'm I'm gonna provide in a way that you weren't expecting. See, here's the thing. God designed it this way for a reason. Here's the truth. We are all dependent on God. We are all dependent on God. Not just me, but all of us are. We just don't want to think about it like that. Jeff Vanderselt said this, every believer is called to full-time paid ministry. God just chooses to route our paychecks through different sources. And so verse seven ends with this. It says, imitate their faith. Imitate their faith. This past week, I got to spend time with some missionaries from Zimbabwe, Pakistan, India, I got to hear stories of how God was working in their lives. And um, one of the pastors who was speaking, he's a Polish missionary. And he looked at the, um, the rest of us, this group of pastors and missionaries. And he, he said, I have to tell you a story. He said, I was... When I, he first started out, he said, I was in Poland and communism was huge. And so a communist came to me and said, what are you? He said, I'm a pastor, I'm a missionary. And this guy said to him, well, how, how are you gonna survive? He said, this church all the way in America provides for me to be here. And this guy looked at him and said, yeah, there's, a, there's no way that you're gonna survive. He says, you need to be like me. You need to be a communist. He said, that's, that's how you're gonna survive. That's, what's, your, what's your foundation? What's your stability? He said, I just believe that God's going to provide for me. And he looked at the man 
and said, um, I trust God. 30 years later, he's looking at us and he says, young missionaries, do not fear. Do not fear. In verse seven, it says, consider the outcome of their way of life. Consider the outcome of their way of life. Here he's talking about leaders who've died, who've gone on. What's gonna matter at the end? What's gonna matter at the end of our lives? Is it gonna be all the things that we've lost along the way, the possessions and things? Or is it going to be that we trusted God and he provided everything we needed every step of the way. Right, like that, that's it. Is it gonna be that God provides? There are real examples of people who trust God. The last point is this, renewing strength. This is verses eight and nine. It says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods, which have not benefited those devoted to them. Look at verse eight. It says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do you know what's not the same? The stock market, the economy, the housing market, jobs, What is Jesus Christ? Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What does Jesus offer that the world doesn't? Well, verse nine says, strength by grace. See, God offers this grace to not give up. It's a grace for a fresh start. Grace for a new day. It's knowing that everything we have is a gift. See, what we have, we did not earn. It's all grace. And as I look at my life, all I can say is, I have been strengthened by grace. And that's it. See, do you see the things that you have as a gift of grace from God? It's not mine. It's not from me. It's from him. So just some takeaways. How does this apply to our lives? The first one is this. Receive God's grace and face reality. Receive God's grace and face reality. Here's the beautiful part. We are not saved by our generosity. We are saved by grace. God isn't saying, well, okay, how generous were you with your life? That's why you're saved. No, it says we are saved by grace, by God, by what he's done. It is all him. See, here's the truth. Many of us have made financial decisions that we regret. It causes us to have guilt and shame. And today, I, I just want to encourage you with this. Please receive his grace. 
He loves you beyond your bank account, your credit card debt, your school loans. Receive his love and know that that's the foundation of your life. And because of that, we can face reality. We can face the scary truth about ourselves and about our circumstances. See, the first scary reality about ourselves is the reality that we, we got to face what's in here. What's our struggle? For, for me, just facing personally, my, my struggle is this. These four words, sail. Sail. You're like, whoa, it's a sail. When, when I see sail or limited time only, sometimes something rises up in me. I'm like, okay. Laura, did you see that? There's a sail out there. But here's the truth. Sail won't last. It's that feeling of like, I must have it now, the FOMO. I'm going to miss out if I don't get it. But here's the thing we know, and you know this is true. When you get that thing, it only lasts for a little while, that, that feeling, that buzz, whatever it is in us, and then it fades. See, and, and what I've had to, to realize and repent of is it's not contentment in God. That's my sin. Because I think that somehow I'm incomplete without that thing. And it's a lie. It's not true. And I'm thankful for God's grace because it covers a multitude of sins. It does. But it doesn't make it right. And so we can face the reality about ourselves. And so what is it for you? It might be different than what it is for me. Second is the reality of our circumstances. Many of us don't really want to know our financial situation. Right? Like we don't want to know. I don't want to see it. I'm going to avoid it at all costs. Why? Because money has power over us. It has so much power that we don't even want to talk about it. See, would you be willing to sit down with someone that could help talk about it with your spouse? Start there. Asking for help. And just saying, how, how do we get into a better place? See, it starts with asking for God's help and changing our hearts and facing the truth. That's the only way things can get better. You see, God's grace frees us from the power of money. He forgives us of our bad investments, bad purchases, and he gives us the strength so that our hearts don't just spiral out of control. So we can face the truth on God's strength and ask for help. So that's the first one. The second is living generously starts with God. It starts with God. See, where do I start with God? By saying, God, okay, you provided everything I have. And so help free me from 
my selfishness, my self-absorption. There's this book, The Money Challenge, that was super helpful for me. And there's a lot of different kind of crazy teachings out there about money when it comes to the church. There will be people who would preach to you the prosperity gospel. It says, if you give this, then you're going to be rich. I just want to say flat out, that is false teaching. It's not the gospel. But then there's something else called the poverty gospel that says, you got to give away everything. You can't own anything. No possessions, nothing, no money. And so what it is, it's built on self-righteousness to make people feel terrible about having anything. That's the poverty gospel. And it's, again, a false teaching. See, verse 9 says to, to stay away from those things. So what does the scriptures tell us? What, what, what is the truth? It's this. It's that we give to God. We give to God. And it starts small. It, here's a beautiful thing. God looks more at the heart than the amount. He looks more at your heart and my heart. He's looking for a heart that will trust him with possessions. See, some of us are struggling. We say, well, why don't I have more stuff? Why don't I have more money? Maybe it's because we're not being faithful with the amount that he's given us. We say, okay, God, how, how do I give? How do I become more generous? In this book, The Money Challenge, he says it's the takeoff method. See, what we see in scripture is, you say 10% of the income. And so that was the Old Testament. But I think it was really helpful for me when I read this quote from Timothy Keller on this. He says this, he says, in the Old Testament, we know the Old Testament believers were required to give away 10% of their annual income to God's work, to the poor and so on. Everything we know from both pagan and Christian historical texts from the New Testament and early Christian and even pagan historical texts is that early Christians went way beyond the tithe. They went way beyond 10%. As a result, the pagans had never seen anybody this promiscuous with their money. They'd never seen people give their money away in such proportion. They'd never seen people give it away with joy. Here's the reason why. Christians don't worship money. Why does God ask us to give? Does he need anything? No. He doesn't need anything at all. He's completely sufficient within himself. Why does he ask us to give? Because it's for us. What kills the, the selfish, self-absorbent person within me? It's when I give. It's when I say, Lord, it's yours. And as we start to give, as we start to live a life of saying, okay, God, I trust you. He says, I can do more with whatever percent you have left. If it's 99%, I, I guarantee you I can do more with the 99% than if you held on to the 100 because I'm changing your heart in the process. I'm making you a generous person because of the grace of God. I was able to sit with one of my friends recently. 
And he's somebody who supported Grace City from the start. And sitting with them, he said, um, he was literally probably the, the, the cheapest person I've ever met in my life, really. He was, like, he really was. And, um, and now he's like the most generous person. It's crazy. But he said he was talking with a friend and, and his friend was struggling. His friend was struggling with like just a lot of things in life. And his friend's a Christian. He says, he, he told me, he's like, I asked my friend, he said, are you giving to his friend? No, why does that matter? He says, that's probably why you're so self-absorbed right now because you're not trusting God. It's, it's so, this is from a guy who, who, who again, he's like, that's God's way that, kill, that helps us kill our selfishness. If we're not generous, we can't love our city by the grace of God. And so the last takeaway is this, take practical steps towards financial health. Take practical steps towards financial health. This is, this is really Holy Spirit-led. You gotta say, God, help me to do this. But there are some practical things. And there are resources out there that can help us right now. Just, it just starts with making like a simple budget. Apps like mint.com, super helpful. But again, this book right here, it, it's super practical. And if you're serious about like, okay, I, I wanna learn like how to, how to trust God with this. I'm really struggling. I've got some of these books out there. It's yours. Here's the thing with our church. Like I'm not, I never wanna charge for any resources that we give out. I don't. I wanna give people things free because that's why I see the gospel as. And so, this book, I'm like, okay, we're getting it. And we're gonna give out to people who are serious about this. Because I know that many of us are struggling and we're, we've got fear, we've got anxiety. It keeps us up at night. It controls our lives. And God's like, I've created you for so much more than that fear and that anxiety. And so we're here to help, man. That's why we're here. We are here to equip you with the good news of the gospel and to, to help you in any way. And we know that this is a big one in our lives, in our, in our culture. And so remember what verse six says. This is where I'm gonna end. It says that Jesus promises, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Where do you and I see Jesus living this out? On the cross. On the cross even though he was forsaken by his father, he stayed. It says that he opened his arms generously to us and gave himself up for us. It even says in scripture that he gave up the riches of heaven and became poor so that he could love us. See, are you afraid? If I give generously, I won't be secure. And look at Jesus saying, I will never, ever, 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 ever leave you. I know all the past mistakes. I know everything. 
and I own everything. I gave myself up for you on the cross. See, if the cross wouldn't have stopped Jesus from loving us like that, nothing ever will. Not even the mistakes that we say, man, there's so many things that are just piling up right now. My bills are piling up, Lord. I don't know how I'm gonna pay them. If the cross couldn't stop him, what ever will? Nothing. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. He's doing something in here to make us new people, a generous people, because he's a generous God. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your help. We pray, Lord, that you help us today to become generous, not because naturally we are just gracious, generous people, but because you are a gracious, generous God. And so, Lord, we come to you just saying, um, we leave the world behind and we trust in Jesus. We trust in him. He's all we got. So thank you for being our only hope. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.